Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Madgett. With me is 99 World Cup champion Saskia Weber, also UCLA goalkeeper coach Saskia Weber. And I know I'm not going to... Can you believe that? But that you're a UCLA goalkeeper coach too? Yeah. So, hey, are you rah-rah? Sorry, Rutgers, but, you know... I'm an L.A. girl now. Yeah, I mean, look, you got the <laughs> L.A. Dodgers hat going on right now. I threw the first pitch out. That's amazing. You threw out the first pitch. I, we were just talking about our hats right now. Like, I'm wearing the Under Armour hat that I bought. And uh, we are in no way connected with Under Armour. We're not connected whatsoever. to Under Armour. It's literally <laughs> just the only hat that I could find in, in Wisconsin, in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, when I was there uh, attending camp shutout <laughs> that, uh, that fit me, really, is honestly. Uh, and, and not just fit me as in, like, actually aesthetically, but also literally fit me. I have a very tiny head. Well, I guess I'm allowed to say I'm wearing my Nike L.A. Dodgers Oh, hat. yes, because you were promoting. You were I was doing, we were doing when the uh, new kit got launched. Oh. Right before the World Cup. So I got to throw the first pitch out. Yeah, I actually just purchased this it with, like, money. It was a strike. I will keep saying that. Congratulations. Keep. Uh, I would keep telling people that, now too. Now I'm a little upset, though, because, like, I was, like, a little kind of. I held back a little bit. Now I'm like, I would have got on top of the mound. I would have wound up. I would have put a batter up, and I'm going to throw a strike. Guys, this is not a baseball <laughs> podcast, by the way. Everyone's like, everyone's like, wait a second. Don't pitchers and catchers like report like in like a few days? Like, yes, they do. But this is not a uh, baseball podcast. Actually, a goalkeeping podcast. Absolutely. We have an amazing episode packed for you guys today. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing. We're going to be listening to a little piece with uh, Dan Abrahams, which is a. Uh, Acclaimed sports psychologist, he's worked with players throughout the English Premier League, uh, players who've played in the Champions League finals, all that sort of thing. Um, and I honestly learn something every single time that's new uh, when I when I listen to him. Um, we had the fortune, uh, the grand fortune, to uh, to talk to him in Baltimore, and uh, honestly, it's going to be amazing. So you guys are really going to be excited for that. But first, want to start off the episode with listener reviews, uh, guys. We're at over 250 reviews worldwide. Keep them coming, rating, reviewing, and subscribing on all platforms. Make sure to leave your Instagram or Twitter handle in the body so we can send you your prize. Again, a lot of people just leave their Apple podcast sign-in, and we have no idea who it is. <laughs> so you need to make sure that you're doing that. I'm going to just keep uh, ringing in Jesus' goalkeeping from afar uh, just because it was hilarious, and we're, uh, we're going to keep that going forever. Um, so let's get into some of these right now. Um, first one says... Valuable goalkeeper content, five stars. Already starting off strong. It goes, I love it. Yeah. For anyone serious about goalkeeping, Inside the 18 is a must to subscribe to. Good insight, great goalkeeper updates from across the U.S. and world football. Awesome guests, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation point. And that is from Louis Hunt, 17. Uh, Louis Hunt is actually the director of goalkeeping at uh, San Diego Surf, which is a very famous, famous club here in the United States. So shout out to Louis. Louis, he's a high level coach, man. And I actually, uh, actually met Louis at uh, one of my court cheese. I forget which course it was. It might have been my B license. It might have been my one of my goalkeeping licenses. But uh, we, we we go way back, and uh, it sucks we weren't able to uh, connect in Baltimore, Louis. But uh, honestly, we really appreciate the support um, of you listening and sharing it with all your goalkeepers out there because you've got some some high level goalkeepers down yeah, at San absolutely. Diego Surf, you know. So. That, that's really awesome, man. So, uh, so thanks for that. Um, next one comes from a great listen, exclamation point, five stars. And this one goes, my daughter and I just listened to the last episode. Thought it was great. A lot of stuff clicked with her. Very well done. Here's the best part. Good chemistry between Michael, Saskia, and Patrick. And that comes from uh, RWW00336. 
Um, again, uh, maybe leave your your uh, your your Instagram or Twitter. We have handle. good chemistry. We have good chemistry. Uh, actually, I know who the RW0036 is. Chemistry or chemistry? So Ryan uh, is actually <laughs> Ryan Wheeler or Ryan Weiler. I forget how to pronounce it. He's actually a former pro goalkeeper. Yeah, and his wife also played too. They, what? yeah, they both played. What's and, up, Ryan? And that's that's the awesome thing is that the thing is is that like and he. No, those are two two um, comments from. Older people, parents, coaches, everything. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah, we're that's awesome. That. And that, that just shows that we run the gannon in regards to the demographic who's listening to the podcast. Parents, players, coaches, ex, pros. Ex, yeah. Ex-players. I mean, and the really cool thing is, and actually, I talked to Ryan about this. We should probably do an episode about this, about ex-pros um, when their kids get into goalkeeping and, and, you know, helping out in regards to allowing it be their journey and, you know, not living vicariously through them and all you that. You kind of looked at me like you knew I had an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> of course you got an opinion about that. I always have that. an opinion. Everyone's got an opinion about that. But no, Ryan's, <laughs> Ryan's doing it right, man. He's like, he, he talked about it, you know, his, his daughter's a DA keeper and, uh, he's like, Hey, this is her journey. This yeah. is her journey. And my wife and I, we're not going to get in the middle, you know, our playing careers passed and, uh, you know, we, we want to just help her out. So, uh, guys, keep those up. By the way, shout out to Ryan. He's also a Patreon member. We have a Patreon, guys. Uh, I know I haven't been plugging it on the show lately, mainly because I forgot about it. But, uh, but guys, yeah, we have a Patreon. If you might want to join the GK Union of Insiders, um, we'll put it in the show notes. And uh, if, you, uh, if you donate for certain different numbers, um, you get different things back. And uh, honestly, um, you know, we're trying to give you guys value. And uh, honestly, things like that. Help us pay for trips like next week we're going to Arizona and, you know, uh, going out to New York and, you know, maybe going to Japan, things like that. Uh, with your guys' help, we can make that happen and we can share more content with the entire goalkeeping community. So let's just uh, let's keep that going. So, uh, so let's, let's take a moment and uh, we're going we're gonna to be right back. We're going to listen to this, uh, this piece with Dan Abrahams and then we're going to get into the week in goalkeeping, breaking down, uh, breaking down the matches. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Inside the 18, live from United Soccer Coaches Convention in beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. I say beautiful because I see the snow coming out outside, and as somebody who lives in Los Angeles, any change no of season. Well, I, it's flurries. There's flurries going on outside, you know? <laughs> to me, that's snow. It's snowish. I mean, it's England snow, right? You guys get a little bit of the flurries coming down in, no, the, in now, the south, right? Now and again, now yeah. and again, yeah. Now and again, you get some of those. I know in the north, it, it gets a little bit crazier and stuff like that. Uh, I'm Michael Madgett. I'm a chief meteorologist for this podcast. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm Michael Majid. Uh, this is uh, Instagram superstar Omar Zini from Pro GK Academy. And uh, honestly, this guy literally needs no introduction. Honestly, one of the biggest celebrities we we ever have on this podcast. This guy, more people ask us about Dan Abraham, sports psychologist, than anybody else we ever have on the show. And we have these big names from goalkeeping. Everybody goes like, where's the little sports guy? We want the little sports psych guy. That's the guy we want to have back on that podcast. The little sports psych guy. Well, they're, they're talking to what me. What are they, they You know, because <laughs> we have these tall, big goalkeeping people Fair and enough. stuff like that. Yeah, you know, so that's how they're doing it. Uh, Dan, honestly, it's always a treat to have you on the podcast because uh, you're just a wealth of knowledge in regards to anything, in regards to, to, to the mental side of the game. And honestly, as we all know, goalkeeping is, is, is pretty much, I mean, well, I was just going to say it's mental because it is kind of mental, but uh, but it's literally mental. So it's, is, is it, yes, mental is in mad or <laughs> mental is in psychological? I think men both, mental is both it, of those. Well, yeah. both of those. A mixture of two, a, 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 a neat cocktail of both. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I ran into Dan uh, yesterday uh, as we've been walking around this convention right here, and uh, my favorite thing is he comes up, he's like, 10.30 tomorrow, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, he remembers. Yes, absolutely, 10.30 tomorrow. Trust me, it's been like on my books for, for all this uh, this time. Um, and then we started getting to talking about you know some things that we've been seeing in different sessions here at convention in regards to preparing goalkeepers uh, mentally for the uncertainty of match day. And I said, you know what? This is something that I'd love to talk to you about because I think it's something that our audience would really, really love to hear because there's so many different types of uh, ideas or concepts or theories on, on how to prepare a goalkeeper properly uh, mm. prior to the match day. So first off, for our audience who doesn't understand the, the mental side of, of the game a little bit, what is match day preparation from a, from a mental standpoint? Oh, that's a big question. Uh, for me, and, and, and I think you could have a, a couple of dozen sports psychologists sit here and give a, a slight, you know, they'd give different answers, each of them. But for me, uh, it's about getting into your, what I call your high performance mindset which is a kind of Dan Abraham's colloquialism if you like I mean uh, what psychologists the term psychologists might use might be individual zone of optimal functioning well what's that Uh, they might use ideal performance state that sounds a bit more reasonable I like high performance mindset so I actually believe that we need to be invested as coaches to help players uh, help themselves to get into their high performance mindset. I am ready to compete because I am in my high performance mindset. It's as simple as that. Okay. So how, I mean, because that, that, it sounds simple in that regard. <laughs> yes. I mean, because you make it seem like it's a very straight, straightforward thing, but let's be honest, a lot of people go, okay, well, that sounds awesome, but how the heck do I do that? Because everyone, everyone, for lack of a better term, ticks differently, right? Yeah. So everyone, you have to, when you're working with a, when you're, you're, you're coaching a professional or you're coaching an amateur athlete, you know, you have to find what makes them tick to get them to that high yeah. performance mindset, yeah. right? I was kind of hoping you wouldn't ask me how, because I haven't got a clue, clearly, <laughs> you know, obviously. No. In all seriousness, there's kind of a serious edge to what I said there, not in terms of I don't have a clue, but it is very individual specific. So it is challenging to uh, draw a broad brush uh, answer over that. So so let me just throw some ideas out there. I mean, I'm uh, maybe slightly controversially, I'm a big fan of coaches helping players put mindset first coming into a game, uh, which probably turns coaching upside down on its head because we're so socialized into outcomes and performance we're so socialized into talking to players about we want to win want to win want to win we want to perform want to perform perform and in goalkeeping speak I suppose that's keeping a clean sheet it's doing the things you've got to do to keep a clean sheet and look I don't deny those those tech tack physical uh, the X's and the O's I don't deny that those aren't important they are important but for me hierarchically I really would um, suggest that coaches help players put mindset first and that's where it starts it's just having that conversation let's work towards helping you have the best possible mindset for this game and that requires putting it first and I say that because if we fast forward to the game itself in my opinion the first thing that breaks down in the game is your nervous system your nervous system is and I've said this a few times this week your nervous system is crazy we're talking about hundreds of thousands of years of evolution right so your nervous system is designed to throw out anxiety it's designed to throw out distraction it's designed to throw out lethargy and low mood and a drop in confidence because as we compete 
we are evaluating what's going on around us. We're also evaluating how we feel. Some days we wake up and we don't feel 100%. And so we have to be able to deal with our inner biology and we have to be able to deal with the outer challenges that the game uh, provides for us or, or, or puts on us. And so that's where I would always argue mindset first. And I think that message sets the tone. And then with that, I'm very passionate about players, goalkeepers, having a mental framework. I find that when I sit down with players, and I'm very blessed living in England, being English, I get to uh, sit down with some of the best players in the world. And it's always the same. Again, I've said this a lot this week. It's always the same. Players can never articulate a mental framework. What are you trying to achieve mentally? Uh, uh, oh, I'm not really too sure. I just want to keep a clean sheet. No, stop. Come on. I want you within 10 seconds to tell me exactly what you're trying to achieve mentally. Now, historically on this show, and I've been blessed to be on this show a couple of times, for instance, we've talked about game face, if you remember. Yes. And I think one big example. The Neuer face. Yeah, the, the, the brave, confident Neuer. Yeah. Okay, which actually for that particular goalkeeper, it's now become brave, confident Edison. Oh. based on how his coaches want him to play, interestingly. Um, I think at the moment I'm working with somebody, I think he's got positive energy, Testagen? Testagen? Testagen, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and so um, I want a, a um, we can go back over how one creates a game face, happy to do that. But for instance, I want a player to warm up in the style of their game face. A couple of key words, action-based words that they're going to act out. I want them to warm up with great body language. I want them to warm up with self-talk. I want them to warm up getting themselves mentally warmed up. And there's lots of little things that you can do, but that, in a nutshell, is kind of what I would do with players. Quick question. Mm. So let's say, for example, growing up, you were never really privy to this information, or this information was never something that you took into account as a goalkeeper, field player, whatever it is, but for goalkeepers specifically. So for me personally, I never really focused on mindset. It was never really something that uh, was like at the forefront of the priorities that I did before a game. It was all about, hey... Your, pro- your mindset is, is you know, created throughout the sessions of the week mm. as well as how you do in the gym and make sure you're eating properly. So if I ate right, I slept right, I knew that I was like physically confident. So in a sense, that's kind of the mindset um, per se. Do you feel like, I mean, for me, I, I'll, I'll revert it back to me. When I was growing up, when I started hearing you say this stuff and I started you know, getting more into like the coaching side of things, is it, is it ever too late for somebody to learn these new uh, techniques? And pushing these techniques is it for everybody or do you feel like you said everybody has their own way of approaching things really good questions um and, and i suppose all i can do is throw out my opinion my hypothesis um i certainly don't think it's too late um you know the the, the mind i suppose to, to use a bit of a cliche in, in in my profession or performance circles it, it's like a muscle isn't it and you know i always equate it to look i mean i'm a former professional golfer professional golfers are adapting and changing their swing into their 60s Jeez. you know if you can change your motor skills then you can certainly change the way you approach approach things from a mental perspective and I think it's exciting it's exciting whether you've got a young player who comes through the ranks has never worked on their mindset yet they've still attained a certain um, standard I think that's awesome if I was you know going back to your playing days and going back to then and we you know if we had crossed paths at that time I'd be really excited oh wow you've reached this standard and yet you haven't systematically worked on your mental side on on your mindset awesome I love it let's go for it now you make a salient point there's a lot of things that you did anyway that helped you to get into the right frame of mind and I don't deny that and I've got 
you know, clearly I can't deny that. As you say, eating well, sleeping well, how you're training, the quality of the activities you're exposed to. Those things are crucial and they absolutely do mediate the mental side of the game. And given what I've said about players don't have a mental framework, by and large, the, by and large, the standardized practice is what you're saying. Yeah. Is that you just eat well, you sleep, you 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 know, you get prepared how you think you Traditional, get traditional in a sense. The traditional yeah. way. And you know what? That's cool. That's fine. And if if somebody feels that that's enough, you know, I'm not I, a big part of my job is quite often to get out of the player's way. Yeah. You know, so I don't want to interrupt that. But look at it this way. Maybe what I might say to you in as, I wouldn't be too tough because I've just met you, but maybe what I might say to you is, okay, I'm awesome. I love the fact that you feel that the little things that you do help you get into the right frame of mind, the high performance mindset. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Okay, can I hold you accountable for that? Can I hold you accountable for that? Can, I want to see the best possible frame of mind. I'd love it if we can have a conversation after each game and you can give yourself a mark out of 10 for your mindset. And it just so happens that if on a certain day you go to me, oh yeah, Dan, I just wasn't on it today. I felt about six out, I'll give myself five or six out of 10 for the mental side of the game. Boom, I feel then I'm in there. Because I might say to you, okay, I'm, you know, can we have a chat about this then? Can I maybe suggest some techniques? Yeah. Um, or can we have a conversation where I can get from you little things that might help you on those days where you don't feel 100%. Maybe you feel at, you know, at, at 70% or 80%. Let's get 100% of 70% or 80%. Yeah. And that might require a few mental techniques because this is the thing. I think almost another way to answer you is... Um, People see mental skills, maybe, or a mental framework to help them, um, to help optimize their mindset. You're not wrong. And they, and they look at it whereby, I just want to be mentally good. But for me, it's as much about the days where you wake up and you just feel a bit flat and you feel a bit lethargic. But it's still those days you've got to optimize your performance. You've still got to go between the sticks yeah. there. You've got to go between those goalposts and you've got to you know come for <laughs> you've got to yeah. perform you've yeah. got to be commanding and demanding etc etc so that's that, that's the kind of thing i try to do okay yeah. gotcha. i, I, I want to ask you about that because uh that's something that was really cool that you were bringing up in regards to people always ask well i want to be in this this positive mindset i want to have this con this this positive this consistent confidence but I, I this is something that i've been kind of uh, dealing with lately and it's this it's kind of this creation of artificial confidence mm. um and how do we as coaches help players not not create an artificial confidence but an actual confidence because i think there's a difference in being believing that you're confident and mm. actually being confident right yeah it, that, that that is a really interesting question it's something that i um I negotiate with myself a lot of the time, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, are the tools and techniques I'm, I'm delivering efficacious, you know. I think, if I may answer that with reference to, say, a game face, for instance, yeah. which could be considered my number one technique. I certainly have had coaches in the past say, okay, well, you help players set up this game face and I get it and I like it and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, sometimes aren't these game faces inauthentic? You know, you want players to be an actor on the pitch. Is that, is that really how they should be? And I think the best way I can answer it is I think it's a, something like a game face is a balance between being authentic and inauthentic. It's a bit of both, really. I want players to come up with their key words. I want them to come up with their, their, their game face by thinking about themselves at their best. So that's really authentic. 
you know. And um, then thinking about their dream game and thinking about who they want to be on the pitch, which might be less authentic, a bit slightly inauthentic. And, and so I think that there's, there's an element, as long as you can keep some of the mental skills grounded um, and um, in accordance with who you are as a person and how you like to go about your game, I think that becomes authentic and so subsequently it's, it's, it's still a, a genuine confidence that you're trying to build. But in a way as well, guys, I'd also say, look, the reality of performance is that it's demanding and you do at times have to be, do and act somebody that you're not, you aren't naturally. For sure, yeah. You know, not all the time, but often. And a day that you don't feel great, you might have to strive to get yourself into that right mindset. So I do think there can be a... Delusion can work sometimes. Delusion can well, work. It's almost, there's almost <laughs> like a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in mm. regards to the fact that they're both the same person. It's just a different different outlets of that same person type of a yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And, and, and can I just say there, just as you're speaking, it brought another little thing into my mind, is that the differentiation between match day and training days. You know, I, I would say in training days, players have to have that thinking flexibility to be grounded to be able to look at what they do really well and they want to magnify and keep improving upon and maybe what they need to improve upon and being grounded and know who they are. Yeah. You know, I think that's important. But then come match day, hey, I've got to go and perform. So, you know, it, that for some players, for some goalkeepers, that might require some delusion. It might require some uh, grandiose claim in your own mind that you're the best keeper in the world. Yeah. That might be, that might help them. For others, not so much. Good I, question. No, so I, kind of not, not switching gears, but a quick question because, like, the last uh, last year we had a conversation, and one mm -hmm. thing you you told me that really stuck with me is that you know there's kind of this bravado of coaches and this kind of ego that every mistake that a goalkeeper has in training or any time they don't uh, you know make a big save, uh, they should be making is it's it's technical error and. You kind of said that, you know, if any coach thinks that it's always a technical error, you're wrong. Yes, sometimes it is, but oftentimes it's the mental side. Like, what, what has led in the psychological uh, framework or up until that point to lead to that? Mm. And I definitely saw that as a coach, and I said, hey, you know what? Not everything is a technical error. Sometimes they may not have got enough sleep last night, or they, this, they're not feeling confident, or they're trying new techniques that they may not be working. So one thing I want to ask you, and I think for me personally, over the last few years I've tried to work on is kind of reprogra reprogramming those negative habits and things that I kind of instilled in myself that are hindering my performance and ability as, as a coach sometimes. So for example, growing up, uh, let's say my sister and I would get into arguments. Sometimes she'd say certain things. So in my head, she kind of developed this voice that was very negative. So whenever I did something wrong or I was just about on the cusp of doing something right, that voice would come back in my head like, no, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I struggled with that as a goalkeeper, but I was able to, you know, somehow hide it. Uh, didn't play pro. So if I think I did, I would have been heightened a little bit more. But then my personality as a coach, sometimes I'll hit a bad service or something like that. And those negative thoughts come back into my head, like you're not as good as you think you are um, or things like that. So for goalkeepers or players that you've worked with, has there ever come a case where you've had to go even deeper to the rooted issues that may be haunting them or really be kind of affecting them to kind of get that confidence? Like you said, it's authentic, inauthentic. Authentic is that like you actually feel like you're talking about it and inauthentic of like you're kind of lying to yourself. Mm. And me, when I've sometimes lied to myself, that voice sometimes will come back and say, don't fool, you're not fooling anybody, buddy. And do you, do you feel like that's something that you have to really get to the core of if, let's say, someone can't work with you and they have to work with themselves? Mm. I, I think that everybody is different. There's clearly individual differences between people and how they might tackle their personal 
personality characteristics, their personal challenges. I think that, so I, I do think that with some players, you can simply label those negative thoughts as ants, as I would call them, A-N-T-S, yeah. automatic negative thoughts. And you can be as, for want of a better word, as light and as frivolous as saying, we're going to work on squashing your ants. And um, and you can use game face and you can use technical points to be able to squash ants. There's a big controversy in psychology. And controversy, I don't know if that's the right word, but different viewpoints as to how one manages thoughts or deals with thoughts. And there's this uh, therapeutic approach at the moment called acceptance commitment therapy, which actually rather than the classic CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy that says, you know, squash your ants, talk back to them, you know, talk to yourself positively, rationalize things. Um, actually, what acceptance commitment therapy says is, as the name suggests, you know, don't waste any energy getting involved with your thoughts your thoughts are your thoughts you can't control them they're going to arise to the surface thoughts happen to you as i say to players um accept that notion accept that thoughts and bad thoughts happen uh, and commit to not letting them affect you so to co commit to placing your attention onto your game onto your coaching points onto what you're trying to learn um so there's that so it depends which, which approach you perhaps want to take. Are you going to take a proactive approach to dealing, to dealing with negative thoughts or am I going to help a player um, be a bit more acceptance, accept, accept their thoughts a little bit more? I think it, just last thing to say here is that you, you, know, you said that some of these thoughts can have deep-rooted challenges. Yeah. There are clearly some players where you might feel as a psychologist that you might feel there's an opening here to sit down away from the pitch and have a conversation um, uh, about and actually just letting the player speak with you or just offload um, and that offloading itself can actually turn down the volume of ants so clearly there are times when you need to have a deeper conversation with players um, it's a, it's a little bit of both and when you do have deeper conversations then I'm a sports psychologist and if it gets very very deep sometimes I have to pass it on to say a clinical psychologist yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um, you know you can deal with with basic anxiety and low-level depression and um, helping players build their personality char characteristics and be a little bit more flexible so you can help there as well yeah. perfect yeah i i want to ask you i, I want to talk about pressure mm. okay because uh, first off one one thing i want to ask you is that first off a lot of people have uh, have been saying this thing things to me such as uh, you know stress isn't real you know pressure isn't real it's all it's all in your head it's all in your head but in in reality if it's in your head then it's real right because you've manifested this to be b be believable yeah i mean Michael, you've given me the answer. I okay. mean, it's just, okay. it, no, it's, it, it, I find when a Michael Jordan, for instance, and I love Michael Jordan quotes, and I love Michael Johnson quotes, and I love the, you know, classic North American sports competitor <laughs> quotes, which are brilliant. You do it so much better than Brits. You know, that's awesome. Eloquent, empowering, uh, powerful, inspiring quotes. Awesome. You've got to remember that yeah. Um, okay, so he says something like, pressure isn't real, it's what's in your tyres. Or I think pressure is an illusion. I think that's what Michael Jordan said. Yeah. And it's, for him, that's a f funky word here. That's a phenom phenomenological, if I can say it, phenomenological <laughs> um, experience. 
that's in his world that's what he said to himself to be able to deal with something that's very real and tangible which is your biological and physiological processes underneath that is actually sending out anxiety heart rate goes up you know uh, the heart blunt, uh, pumps out more blood cortisol is released which is your stress hormone sorry cortisol is not an illusion it is an actual thing it's an actual hormone it is important it helped to survive that is why we're here today because we saw the saber-toothed tiger and our bodies had a stress response an anxiety response and we can make a decision based on how we felt it also helps us survive in amongst our peers because we're constantly um, trying to uh, think about how to get ahead and get along with people so sorry no stress is very very real now is a strategy to deal with stress to have the narrative of it's not real it's fake I'm gonna go play I don't care I'm playing I don't care how I feel absolutely equally another idea is um, actually to accept that you feel stressed I feel stressed labeling has been shown to reduce uh, emotion in the limbic system there is some research evidence for that so actually saying hey you know what I feel stressed right now and then moving on to a narrative around but what have I got to do yeah. what's my task what's my game face then that's quite a, a, an adaptable way to deal with stress that 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 makes a lot of sense to me and now I want to ask you this next question is that it seems like a trend nowadays has been it used to be prior to match day the trend was to ease the players, to ease the players, to make things easy for them, so that once they came into the game, they had they had that positive, you know, what, what was the word that you were using the the the, com the word in regards to positive uh, confidence? Uh, 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 b Induced uh, no. high performance mindset. High performance yeah. mindset. Yeah. yeah, high performance. That was mindset. the wrong word. <laughs> <coughs> By the way, my voice is totally gone because you realize at day four of the convention, you're just like, my gosh, man, <laughs> I, I don't think I can talk for another week, you know. And thus, you see Taylor Rockwell from Total Soccer Show, and then you have to start talking uh, when you see big celebrities like that walking around with a with a coffee. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been here since eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> Meanwhile, celebs like you know Taylor get to walk in eleven. That's so Mike, right. can I can I build yeah. off for your point? So yeah, yeah. the point he's probably going to make. Back on point. Back on point. Michael's lost it. <laughs> I, lo I, brings I lost us back it. In. I lost it. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think one one uh, so where I think you're going to get to is that like you know warm ups historically have been give the keeper what they want and then don't put them in tough situations because you don't want them to come into it with the mindset of you know I'm whatever afraid. But I think in the past. For me, I had that mindset, and now that you know, I've heard Mike talk about it, we've discussed it a little bit more, it makes a lot of sense because what is the biggest fear of any player, right, is that everything that you do in training, none of that's going to happen in the game, and you're not going to be prepared for it. So the mindset sometimes is like, for me at least, was after I've made a mistake in a game, whew, thank God, that's the worst that could possibly happen. Now I can play my stress-free. So do you feel like, to build off your point there, is that, putting these goalkeepers in situations where they have to make those, let's say, negative decisions or bad decisions of like what could potentially happen negatively in a game, have it happen to them in warm-up and put them in those situations. So once they step into a game, they go, I've already kind of already been through that. Is that? Yeah. Okay. So uh, without sounding like a broken record, I think it's individual specific. Okay. I think it's contextual. I think that there is uh, a trend which I thoroughly believe in towards the notion of representational learning design within training sessions and if we're talking about doing this before match day I suppose we could call it a representational 
preparation, uh, <laughs> match preparation design. Yeah. And what I hear you say is that some coaches are choosing to actually, rather than making those uh, warm-ups um, confidence-inducing from the perspective of we're going to give you simple things to catch and uh, and to save and we're just going to do the basic stuff because we want to build this notion of confidence um, and what they're arguing well this gives a false sense of confidence yeah. because that artificial confidence I was referring yeah, to okay, yeah okay and that makes sense now and, and, and it's that false confidence because if we relate it to the context of the game you know you're not just going to have a, a a goalkeeping coach there who's kicking the ball into your hands right you're you're going to have I really wish that would be wow yeah that would be amazing wouldn't it, it would be slightly dull game I'd be a really good goalkeeper <laughs> if it was just volleys yeah. to the hands yeah it would be a slightly dull game but um you know, it, it, it's it's saying that in the game we're going to have defenders, we're going to have uh, uh, the opposing team in our pair at penalty area jostling for position, light, shade, dark, uh, bodies hitting our optical array, and that's the reality. That's the perceptual reality of the game. Yeah, that puts us under pressure, and 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 so what these keepers, what these coaches are saying is, look. Don't go and warm up in an artificial way, in a simple way, it, stripping away all this information. Strive to find a warm up that is actually challenging for the player, that is going to be representative of what they're going to experience in the game. And for me, I personally think that's fantastic. I think it's great. I think it's correct. I'm not a goalkeeping coach. I'm not a skill acquisition acquisition specialist, although I have a passion and an interest for it. My opinion here is that it, it, it you might go on, if your belief is that, you might go on that belief and then you might be flexible about it. So if you feel on a certain day or you have a negotiation with the goalkeeper themselves and the goalkeeper says, hey, come on, I want actually this to be a little bit less complex today because I'm not quite, I'm not quite there. I'm not quite, quite feeling it or whatever yeah. it is. And you have that negotiation, and maybe you decide you're going to turn down the volume of um, stretch in in the warm up and turn up the volume of support. That might be a valid thing to do. Yeah. But then equally, we could have one of the world's finest goalkeeping coaches sit opposite me and go, "Well, no, Dan. Actually, in my coaching culture." They've got to deal with that volume of stretch, and that's just the way it is. And yeah. that's fine. That's okay. That's to do with individual differences in belief, in values, in 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 um, behaviours, coaching behaviours, yeah. in what we feel is the best way to coach players. Amen. Yeah, makes sense. I want to talk about the unpredictable. Yes. Because this is something that, especially in regards to, we talk about easy, simple match day preparation, and then all of a sudden things go. Or a lot of times, you know, people have spoken about visualization, and you know, uh, if, if you visualize a certain outcome, a lot of times goalkeepers freak out if that's not the outcome that actually takes place. So it's like, well, I visualized it to be like this, and then I get out there, and all of a sudden it starts pouring rain, and it's windy, and that's not what I had in my visualization. It was a sunny day, and there's a dry field, and everything. And now I'm dealing with all these variables that I didn't take into consideration, and now I start panicking, and now the reality of the stress and the starts coming in because yeah. it's not what I expected. And uh, how how do goalkeepers cope with that? Because for me personally, I find that a lot of times I get that deer in the headlights when things start not going the way I expected them to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and for me, I think one of the most powerful questions I ask a footballer 
a soccer player is tell me about what you're going to do if it goes wrong or tell me what you're going to do if um, there's a curveball or something happens during the day or, or something like that. I think that's such an important question to ask players. And I actually wrote about this back in 2012 in my first book, Soccer Tough. It wasn't a goalkeeper. It was actually a striker at the time, Carlton Cole, who I was working with, uh, who had been languishing in the West Ham reserves and ended up uh, playing for England. Uh, and a part of that, he said, was uh, very kind to say it was work on the mental side of his game, just a part of it. Um, but I always felt the most powerful question that I asked him was, tell me what you're going to do if it goes wrong. What are you going to do if the defender owns you? And, and that is potentially what we might call in our world mental contrasting. So just thinking about what our objective is and then what things might prevent us from reaching our objective. I think that's important. And I think that's where mental rehearsal, uh, you know, you've said outcome, for instance. You know, I think mental rehearsal requires picturing specifics, specifics around the process, specifics around mindset. It requires uh, mental rehearsal around uh, that mental contrasting. I think, I think that is the most useful way to utilise mental rehearsal rather than just, oh, you know, let's picture having a great game yeah. or, you know, let's picture winning. Um, I think that, 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 that's really useful. But I'd also say that you have to be prepared. And this, again, sorry, this is where a game face can come in. You've got to be prepared to be able to change your body or take charge of your body on match day, irrespective of what happens on match day, irrespective of what's going on around the pitch. Last thing to say here, where we've done coaching a disservice, in my opinion, in psychology, is we've been quite dualistic about our methodologies. Cartesian dualism, if you like. What that means is we've separated mind and body and we've kind of sold our wares on the basis of psychology is from the neck upwards. In my humble opinion, it's not psychology is from the head down to our toes, from our toes to our head, it's all of our body into our environment. So if I've got a game face of brave, confident Edison, I'm brave, confident Edison here. I don't just picture it and think it. I've got to turn up on match day and when I put my boots on and I walk out onto the pitch, I am saying and being and doing and acting brave, confident Edison. I'm doing that into my environment. That's what I do. That's how I hold myself. That's, how, that's my identity. Yeah. That's through my toes, my feet, my knees, my legs, my hips, my torso, you know, my neck, my head. That's who I am and I feel it and I do it and I act it. That is so crucial and that builds on that mental rehearsal. Yeah, and like you said in, in earlier in the, in the podcast episode, it's like it's very individualized, right? So everybody should have their own way of approaching things. It's mm -hmm. not like you say it to, to Mike and that's going to be like something that I can go, I can, I'm going to do that too. Because for me, like you said, the acceptance part where for me, I've, ha I've had to come through that kind of, let's say from the coaching perspective or just life in general, where I've been able to kind of accept like the worst. I already understand that these these voices are going to come into my head. Now let's find a way again from our old podcast and like things that you've 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 said. I've really taken them to heart and kind of gotten to the point where hey, how can I reverse engineer this mindset so that I know I know this is going to happen. You know, for example, you know this is going to be something that's going to you're going to have to be you know you're going to face. But it's like they always say, prepare for the best or. Uh, hmm. 
prepare for the best, expect the worst. Okay. Yep. So that when the when the worst does happen, it's not something that's out of the out of the woodwork. Now you understand, okay, I know exactly what mindset I need to like tap into and access at this very moment to kind of be able to not even withstand but proceed and be myself through it. So like you said, it's like being able from the the, the entire body to feel that mentality of when things hit the fan, the worst things hit the fan, I'm already prepared for that, so it's not going to take me off or knock me off my thing. So just not more of a statement. It was more of just a thank you that that's a very uh, big piece of information that I've personally used. You were, you were accepting an award from, from Omar <laughs> Sini is essentially what's going on right there. So. But it's helped. It's just very helpful. Just, just very briefly, before, yep. b- before um, you say anything, Michael, I, 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 I just slightly, just for a couple of seconds, building on what you said there, you, interestingly, uh, prepare for the best, expect for the worst. I think, yeah. I, I think you said... I think it's a very interesting landscape that because I find myself with my clients, the players I work with, and when I speak to coaches, I talk about this a little bit, performance and mindset, performance and mindset, and maybe even outcome performance and mindset. A lot of players kind of, they think it's positive to expect a great performance. And I just wonder sometimes, maybe I wonder if often times players actually that's the catalyst for performance anxiety. Is like, I expect to perform. I expect to perform. I expect to perform. Hey, mm. son. Hey, you got to have high expectations. And it's like, well, stop. Actually, why don't I just throw away expectation about performance? Why don't I have what I would call a match script, and I know what, which helps me understand the responsibilities within my role, and understands the key sort of points I want to get a, to, to execute on the pitch, the tech tack points I want to execute on the pitch. I know what those look like. I know what an eight out of ten say looks like for those, which yeah. would be a really an excellent performance. But I don't expect that. But Omar, what I do expect, what I do expect is mindset. What I do expect is my game face. Foundation. What I do expect is self-talk. What I do expect is body language. What I do expect is dealing with ants. What I don't expect is 8 out of 10. That will take care of itself. And that's a very different way of looking at the game. And I know coaches would be quite nervous about that. But we just so often got to let the performance take care of itself. I I, I love what you just said right there because I can't tell you how many times just myself as whether it's as a coach, as a player, or a comedian, or or any even just you know job interviews or any sort of thing. I have a certain expectation of how the results are going to go, and when it doesn't match my expectations, yeah. that's when I start freaking out. Um, as opposed to leaving it alone, and that's really hard to do is to leave it alone and let the situation play out the way it's going to play out because you don't have any control over that. And that's the scariest thing, I think. 100%. And the way I would describe that is your narrative going into the game is crucial. Your inner story going into a game is crucial. And that, again, where I, that's where I would direct players towards mindset and a performance process rather than the KPIs, the key performance indicators, the performance itself. Stop having expectations there, and especially about the outcome. And as you said, you must experience it with a comedy gig. At the end of the day, m- for me, the optimal narrative is, look, I'm prepared, I've got my jokes lined up, I know what I've got to do, I know where I might get some heckling, I know I've got a few comebacks. Other than that, there's not much more I can do. If the audience are going to like it, great. There might be some evenings where they're a bit prickly. That's okay, I accept that, but you know what? I'm damn well going to deliver my material as 
best I can. That's what I'm going to do. And for me, the way that works in soccer as a goalkeeper, I am going to have the best mindset on the pitch because I can get as close to controlling that as possible. I, yeah. I, 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 I want to just say just, you know, one thing I've noticed and just from a personal experience is that mm. whenever I have really felt like I'm going to be incredible, whether I'm like, oh, my God, look at this crowd. This crowd's amazing at this show and uh, they're just going to love me and it's fantastic. It never goes that way. <laughs> whenever I wasn't quite sure how it was going to go, whether it was playing in a game yeah. or, or on stage, it's always gone much better for me. And is that because... I have given up on the outcome and I've just gone out there just and let it happen. Yep. Okay. I I, I believe so. Okay. You know, I can't definitely say no, that. No, 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 but, but I, I, okay. there, there is an uh, it, it's extraordinary. There is a pattern behind that. And that's certainly a, a, an underpinning philosophy that I would certainly approach some of my work uh, with. A working example, I was I'm blessed to work with one of the best players in the world right now. He played in the Champions League final uh, last year and um that was very much the narrative. We had worked for six months going into that final. Obviously, he didn't know he was going to be in the final until he was in it. But the six months of work we had done was very much mm. around, look, Champions League final, I can't, you know, I can't force that. I can't guarantee. But the main thing, I can't force my performance. If I throw in a six out of ten, so be it. I accept that. Players have to accept six out of tens. They have to accept six out of ten. And in the goalkeeping world, I would imagine that means not that you have a howler. It's just that maybe at times you've been out of position or you've yeah. come for a cross a bit, you know, shoddily or, you know, your footwork's not quite been there. You know, six out of tens happen. That's OK. I accept that, you know. But what I don't accept is a poor mindset. Yeah. That's not acceptable. Yeah. That's non-negotiable. And when I say mindset, I mean an embodied mindset. Yeah. I mean I am going to be and do and act my game face. I'm going to hold myself and present myself in a manner that helps me feel good, that helps me look around and go, I can cope with this game. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry. That's the one thing I think is... Um, Again, for me personally, I always revert it back to me, but like my own experience with like the mental aspect of just life in general is kind of being able to understand that it's a process. And I think it's like, you're not gonna gain confidence. You're not, and if you do, it's gonna be that inauthentic feeling because you're pushing yourself to gain confidence. But at the end of the day, when everything, all the dust settles, what do you have left? Mm -hmm. So I think from what I'm gathering from what you're saying is just like the non-negotiables, making sure your body, mind, spirit, all that, your game face, all that stuff is the foundation and the core principles that you have. So no matter what the test comes, no matter what mistake happens, you still have that to fall back on. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that I would tell anybody too is that when you are going, you know, growing up and trying to get your confidence, find your footing, even in the world, trying to find what your place is in the world um, and what you're doing, try to find a way to instill these core principles so that no matter what happens in your life, you still have something to fall back on. And then from there, you don't have to rebuild everything. You have something to, to stand on and then create, you know, little things to get yourself back to where you need to be, which is huge. I think that's important. I think that's where the mindset really does come into play. Uh, Dan, I want to ask you, what do we do when, when a goalkeeper or anybody in general defaults to a negative thought? So, as a coach, I want to pivot back to the co from a mm. coaching standpoint. Mm. Should you always counter with making their environment successful to, to put them back into that positive mindset? Or, or is, that, is that the wrong approach? 
again, it might vary <laughs> as okay. to, 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 to who you've got in front of you. I, I think there's a wealth of options, and I think that's what's exciting about this. And I think that, that um, the first thing I'd say here is flexibility is one of the most important words um, that I use in my work, I, I believe, um, if I may say. I, I think that ultimately success in life in whatever you do um, uh, often stems from you know, having the capacity to think and to behave flexibly because you know psychology and performance psychology certainly uh, it sort of lies in the gray rather than the black and white so i think that um, there are going to be times when you feel that you want that player to experience success to be able to help them feel better if you like I slowed there because I thought about another way of looking at this, which is really important to mention. Autonomy supportive coaching. Because I think, again, if a player is on a run of poor form or isn't doing great or has a bunch of negative thoughts or however you want to describe it, I think we have to, we have to empower the player to come up with their solutions. I think in... In coaching, we have a, a real instinct for fixing because kind of that's how we define coaching is I have this knowledge, I have this ability, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to get you good. I'm going to fix you. And in many respects, and I'm not saying that is not a part of the process of coaching. Of, of course it is. Instruction is a part of the process of coaching. But also a big part of coaching is empowering the player, is, is um asking questions of that player is empathizing with that player i've noticed right now that you've been a little bit down do you want to talk to me a bit about that what's happening right now what's what what what's going on yeah is there anything i can help you with here and if the player starts to, to, to speak, then you might offer suggestion. Or you might ask them that open question, well, what do you feel that you can do? Yeah. What do you think that you can do? From your experience, from your knowledge, again, what do you think that you can do? And then maybe, instead of just going, well, this is what I think you should do, may I, may I have some permission to give you a couple of ideas? I've got a couple of ideas and we can work on a few things. I think that maybe the first port of call, maybe, maybe the first port of call is asking the player, him or herself. I think that can be a really, really useful process because you want them to be the student of the game and the student of their game. And you've got to remember, you're not in their nervous system. Yeah. You're not in their brain. You don't have the same lens, the same cognitive lens, the same affect or emotional lens. Does that actually stress out? <clears throat> does that actually stress out players when coaches go like, "Come on, like I know, I know how you're feeling." Do they go like, "Well, you don't know how I'm feeling because you're not me, so you don't know literally what's going on inside inside yeah. me right now." And so, let me say that this is where people confuse empathy. Empathy is a really important tool, linguistic tool for behavior change. Empathy is not sympathy. Empathy is not agreeing with what the player is doing. Empathy is not, oh yeah, I know about this. Empathy is a listening statement. So if a goalkeeper comes in and says, uh, is, 
sort of says, oh, everything's awful right now. Oh, I can't believe I made that mistake. I'm not, you know, we've got this game coming up. It's a big game. My head's a bit scrambled right now. Just reflecting back and just saying, it sounds like you're having a real tough time right now. Just, it's a listening statement. It's putting yourself in their shoes, looking at the world through their eyes. It's a listening statement. It sounds like you're having a tough time right now. Yeah, coach, I'm having a tough time. Oh, it's just, it's awful. You know, everything's going wrong. I've been performing so poorly. And so, you know, and you might say, right, it sounds like you don't feel that you're playing well right now. Yeah, yeah, and I've got to start playing well. Boom. You listen for that opportunity. What you've done through empathy, listening statements, is you've got the player to say, yeah, and I know I've got to start playing well again. Okay, is there anything you feel that you can do to help yourself play better? And that player might go, well, I think I've got to do this and I think I've got to do that. And you can respond appropriately. Or maybe the player goes, I don't really know. And that gives you the opportunity to say, yeah. well, here are a few things maybe. Do you mind if I give you a few things? So that's that autonomous that's that autonomous Aut coaching. autonomy supportive coaching yeah. yeah 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 i think that's the biggest thing we've learned from like a lot of coaches that um we talked about the next level and then you know yourself included is the collaborative effort mm. i think that's been like the key thing that i'm walking away with this this weekend is like at the end of the day we want to make our goalkeepers better not as just you know field players more holistic approach of off the field as well and that comes with a collaborative mindset of i'm not going to just you know shout things at you i'm not going to just put you in an environment uh, without really giving you feedback or listening to what you have to say or you know like you said every, everybody's individual uh, in terms of how they want to be prepared for a game and how uh, they should you know approach you know services into the box before a game it should be easy little lollipops or do you want goalkeepers to you know really see different but it's a very individual side of the thing so it's important to have that conversation and like you said empathize and have that you know let it come out naturally versus trying to force uh, the issue and trying to make them say something let it happen naturally I think that builds trust and a good rapport with, uh, with the, the goalkeepers absolutely I, I want to talk really quickly about uh, one demographic that you know a lot of our our coaches you know um, or, or some of our you know fans are actually in right now and that's adolescence um, because this is this is the time period in life where a lot of coaches seem to get very frustrated. Parents seem to get very frustrated, and players seem to get very frustrated because there's so many changes taking place. Mm. How does how does anything that we're we're talking about today, or, or that you that you speak about in general mm. on your sports psych show, which by the way everybody out there should honestly be listening, is one of the best podcasts out there on on the mental game. I mean, it's just absolutely brilliant what he does um i every single time and uh, on the twitter and stuff when you point stuff out and i know omar does this too anything he's he'll, you know take a quote and say, i'm st well I'm, I'm not gonna steal it i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna give dan the qu credit and stuff like that but like i want to i want to showcase this stuff um, that's stuff uh, the stuff that you do honestly and like i i have total soccer show and you on my twitter <laughs> favorited so every time you tweet something or you retweet something it comes up on my on my, on my feed and it's important too because like those little quotes or those little sayings that maybe you as a sports psychologist may you you may you may be repeating them over and over and like having these podcasts every day you're saying the same stuff over and over hmm. but you never know what quote or what you're saying uh, when you post it might be able to stimulate my mind and how i interpret it yeah. and i think that's super important so if any, at any time you feel like you're doing too much of that, keep on doing it because everybody tunes in and out. You know, everyone goes through trends in their life. They love uh, the rah-rah. Some people like the little quotes here and there. So the more you post, the more I resonate with me, and it makes me as a better coach. And the retweets that I put out and the kids that look at my stuff, it makes them better as well. So keep oh, on doing awesome. that. I like Thank that. you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, well. 
I, I, sorry, I was just going to pivot back to that question in regards to the sorry, adolescence. Sorry, I took so over on that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that, yeah. That's, totally, that's totally okay. It's just <laughs> any advice out there for, for, you know, in regards to working on, on, on this when it comes to adolescence? Does it change? It doesn't change. It, does. it doesn't change, in my opinion. I mean, look, look, look what, what do we maybe know? You know, there's, a, there, there, there's, there's research out there to suggest that, um, you know, the adolescent brain, the ch uh, child's brain, the adolescent's brain isn't an adult brain. Uh, there's research out there to suggest or hypotheses to suggest that the intelligent part of the brain, the rational, the neocortex, if you like, the frontal brain, doesn't wire up to the emotional brain, I think as, uh, as late as 25. That's out there, those ideas, that, you know, uh, are they 100% true? I'm sure there's individual differences between these things. Again, mm -hmm. that notion of individual difference. Um, but I, I think clearly, you know, there are there is a, a, a psychological process behind the adolescent um, uh, in terms of they're trying to find their way in the world and how they fit into the world and uh, and how they can get along and get ahead and 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 all that stuff. And, and maybe I might not be the world world's expert on that. I'm not a, a developmental psychologist, but uh, I think these types of things that we've spoken about in layered in different ways um, are really really useful you know if you're 13 years old 12 years old 14 years old it's fun to develop a game face if we're talking about soccer here yeah if we're 15 16 years old we can squash ants you know that's fun to it's fun to squash ants we can talk about squashing ants um, we can use controllers self-talk body so I do think it's the same for adolescence um, I think that day-to-day -day narrative can become more complex um, and that's where autonomy to supportive parenting yeah um, autonomy supportive coaching is so powerful you know and and, and in many respects uh, teenagers want to explore they want to be given the space and the freedom to create and explore and come up with their own solutions. Yeah. Whilst we still have to provide an environment that um, provides guidelines and rules. But what we might do to help our teenage team is have them come up with the guidelines and the team rules, yeah. the behavioral norms, if you like, rather than just give them those things. Yeah. I think they have the capacity to do that and I think it's helpful for them to do that. And if those rules and guidelines are broken, again we come back to the empathy, uh, the, the linguistic tools where we, whereby we maybe appreciate that they're teenagers, we appreciate they're human beings, we appreciate that just diving in and going, no you did this wrong, you didn't stick to the rule, you should be doing it this way, you should be doing it that way, is actually an unhelpful way of helping a young person learn about themselves and learn the specific challenges that they face. You turned up late, you know you need to be here, it's the team rules. If a player comes to you and says, yeah coach, I'm really, really sorry I'm late, but you know, it's, oh, I was so busy, school work's a nightmare at the moment. It sounds like life is really full right now. Yeah coach, life is so full, oh, I'm just, Ah, oh, it's chaotic, man. Wow, that's, yeah, it sounds chaotic. That's a good word. Yeah, and I know I need to declutter things. I know I need to be less chaotic. Right. What things do you think you can do to help life become a little bit yeah. chaotic? Again, empathy, open questions. 
I just think as coaches, we need to be a little bit better at those things rather than be so obsessed about the X's and the O's and the tech tech. But yes, Michael, I think it is the same. I just think one has to appreciate that there is complexity and complication. This is an art, a craft. It's not an exact science. Teenagers can be difficult. People yeah. can be difficult. People yeah. can be difficult. So look, we're not going to get it right all the time. Now, I, 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 I see what you're saying. In <laughs> no, sorry, I started stuttering right there because I was just uh, I was trying to think of something. Yeah, I was processing it literally. Um, so, Dan, what, what? maybe you should ask me what I can do to become a better podcast host at this moment right now <laughs> uh, so that I'm not um, so uh, out of it. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, so I know we're almost we're getting to the point where we're almost done here. One thing I want to ask you, though, is that, you know, there are certain people who have not been able that – I know at least, have not been able to come back from mistakes that they've made. Mm. And I don't know if you saw Carius. He just made another mistake recently. Oh, okay. And unfortunately, it was uh, it was a cross-in. Hmm. The sun was right in his face. Poor Carius, oh. man. Dude, he can't catch a break. Oh. Right in his right in his face, and he almost like caught it and then like kind of dropped it into the goal. Mm. And obviously, with the negative connotation surrounding his name, he could have a stretch of 20 games, and he can be amazing. Mm. But everyone continues to have that, uh, that mindset of who he is. And at a certain point, that mindset creeps into your own mindset, your own psyche and like wow is that really who I am am I a mistake prone goalkeeper mm -hmm. so no matter what happens you always leave that little variable in your, in your head open for I may make a mistake today yeah. so is there any have you ever had any experiences where no matter what you've done as a sports psych uh, person or never been able to really crack that and do people sometimes that just becomes a part of their DNA and if so for any goalkeepers out there that may have that I'm a mistake-prone goalkeeper in the back of their mind. How do they either fix that or how do they come out of that rut? I'll answer your first question first. I'm not the magic man. I'm not the miracle maker. Sports psychologist has to be integrated into the coaching culture. Yes. It's the conversations between keepers and their coaches. It's the coach-athlete relationship that is vital here. And for me, goalkeepers have to have great relationships with their goalkeeping coaches. There needs to be conversation, negotiation, openness, acceptance of vulnerability, um, a, a, a holistic coverage of each component. And that's where I think it's so important to have a mental skills framework built into everyday sessions, built into the preparation. And when you've got that, when you've got that, then when mistakes happen, you can rationalize your narrative better. Like, hey man, I've got my, my framework, you know, I've spoken to my goalkeeping coach, um, we've had a great conversation, the sun was in my eyes. Maybe, maybe before the game, I could have taken that into account and just noted that, maybe. But by and large, there's not much I could have done, I'm quite happy. Great coach-athlete relationships help the athletes rationalize the situation yeah um, an integrated mental skills process helps um, players rationalize the process that that that, that that rationalize sorry what's just happened on the pitch so that's absolutely uh, imperative what was your second question um, no yeah I think it's kind of like uh kind of your answer it answers I've the second question as well yeah. Right, yeah yeah it's just I, I yeah. just feel there's sometimes where certain goalkeepers and again there are people who like for example Sean Johnson who plays for New York City FC hmm. for the longest time so 
we were supposed to go to the Olympics uh, probably eight years ago, mm. and he had a costly error against El Salvador where they shot a See, ball. See, that was that, that was that was that expected result. Uh, that, mm. that we're yeah, we were yeah. supposed we to make it to the Olympics. We were supposed yeah. to go to the Olympics. They shot a ball from and like now, thirty. And now we we don't, what happens all of a sudden now we don't go to the Olympics and we don't know how to deal with that. Well, because, because of his mistake. Okay. So okay. He, they shot a ball and we needed a result. He concedes the goal. I think we tie two two or we either lose two one. One of those things happen. We concede the goal, and now we're not going to the World Cup mm. and, or to the Olympics. Yep. And for someone like him, I've watched him throughout his career, mm. and it became almost like, okay, that's him. He's a mistake-prone goalkeeper. Yep. So no matter what, you always held your breath when every shot came to the goal. And then eventually, for I don't know what happened to him, but he's turned the corner. So he's added more skills to his game, and I'm sure there's – so. To answer my own question, I think there are there is an ability for that to kind of re to rewrite your own history, to rewrite your own narrative in, in a sense with those. Yeah, yeah I, I just think the answer is it's the in between. It's the in between the coach and 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 the goalkeeper, the coach and the athlete. It, it's you guys are in a much more pertinent or powerful position mm -hmm. to be to do great psychology than I am. You're not going to be sports psychologists. That's not what I'm saying, but you can do powerful psychology. Um, it's got to be integrated into the process of coaching. That's absolutely crucial. Amen. And that's how you help players deal with failure. So, yeah. So, Dan, I know, we're, I know we're running, you know, really long, and I know you've got a lot going on this entire week uh, while, while you've been out here. Um, and, but I, I, I do have a couple more questions if you're totally cool with that. Um, one is I want to ask, you know, in regards to what advice do you give parents um, in regards to in, in to their, their child, you know, um, who might be nervous, you know, prior to a match day or, or to prepare them for a game day, you know, maybe they're getting in the car and they're, they're on their way to, to the game and, you know, they're, they're listening to the radio or whatever, you know, because I think a lot of times what happens with, with, with parents is that they're trying to be helpful a lot of times and all they do is just, I don't want to say they're making things worse, but they're they're put they're putting more pressure, they're putting more stress, just because they're they're not asking the right questions or they're not mm -hmm. giving the freedom, you know. So, what advice do you give? Uh, again, every parent is different. I know, but man, no, 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 every I single know, question I, know, I give, I every yeah, single question so I give, so I feel I'm bad. So no, whenever no, no, I no. get interviewed by the press in England, it's just like oh, I'm really sorry to annoy you because they want uh, sort of blanket answers. However, let, 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 let's. Uh, no, do, the do press in England want blanket answers. <laughs> I've never believed that. Unreal, eh? I it's know. It's extraordinary know. Uh, <laughs> thing to say. Um, I would... Um, look, I think it's that adage of um, have fun. Um, I'm pausing because I kind of want to use my stuff, which is stick to your game face, squash <laughs> your rant. But clearly not every parent is going to do that out there. Yeah. Um, oh, no, they should. because yeah. they, well, Absolutely. Yeah, Thank they should read soccer tough. Yeah. Yeah. And there you just use all the verbiage, all of the verbiage <laughs> in there. And then the, the kid will go like, just read soccer tough because there's a lot of the words. That <laughs> well, can I throw something at you real yeah, quick? No, no, please. Uh, I feel like it, it can go both ways, right? Yeah. One is let your kid fail or create, like you said, create some guidelines for them but give them the freedom to either fail or try mm. things and be able to have not accountability but find their own voice in a sense right yeah. so throwing them and giving them yes yeah, people who have a lot of money sometimes they'll give their kids all their money and they, they they don't know how to problem solve they don't know how to step into the real world because that's not how the real world is yeah. so do you feel like parents should have that like happy medium in between the two of like hey let them fail let them figure out a way to combat their nerves but at the same time maybe ask those open-ended questions that may lead to them explaining what they're going through in, that, in those moments. 
Yeah, I think, and, and I hope the audience can excuse me because I think I'm with Michael here where I'm on day four and it's like <laughs> the fatigue is kicking in, so I'll, I'll stick to my game face here. I, I think you've used the term open-ended questions and I think that's really pertinent here. I, I think what, what, what parents can tend to do, and look, parents do things out of love and, and, and care for their, their children, but maybe what they tend to do is they make statements rather than ask questions. Mm. And the statement is, do this, do that, or try this, try that, or remember what your coach said. And maybe Maybe it's, well, what do you want to achieve? What do you want to get out of today? What would be fun for you? Oh, um, that's really cool. Yeah, I like what, that. What, what, um, uh, you know, how do you want to go about this game? What's important to you? You know, if, when you finish the match, what would you like to have achieved? You know, I, I think that's a really, really useful uh, process to go through. So I would just answer that simply. Ask questions. Have your child elicit, you know, get the answer from your child. And uh, if they want to talk, and if they don't want to talk, that's cool, that's fine, just let them go play. Yeah. You know, be a chauffeur, stay out of the way. <laughs> but it's true, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's true. Um, and then if you can get some stuff out of them, brilliant, awesome. Yeah. yeah. You can um, overcoach and you can overparent. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, no, nobody ever does any of that. that ne no one ever coaches, no one ever overparents. That's everyone, uh, everyone always gives just, the, just enough. Um, well, honestly, I, I think uh, I think we've I mean we've gone over an hour. I mean, honestly, Dan, for you for you to take all this time with us is just absolutely phenomenal. Our audience, literally every single time, people reach out and they say these are some of their favorite episodes. So it's okay. just it's just really 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 cool uh, to get that. Uh, the last thing I, I want to ask you is that you were talking about the the mind body connection, how everything is connected. There's no such thing as just the mental game is up here and everything is not connected down here. So when people make comments like, you know, well, I, I just need to warm up for, for men, you know, just mentally, or I need to warm up physically, you know, uh, are, are they, are they, are they lying to themselves or, or, or how, how can you properly warm up physically and mentally at the same time? Is there, is there a certain mindset that you need? Look, I, I just think it comes up to, I talk about two controllers, and one of those controllers is a body controller. And when I say body controller, people immediately think body language. Um, yes, okay, but it, it, it's how I hold myself, how I shape my body. It's, it's, if I use a word like confidence, it's show me this catch with confidence. You know, show me this kick with confidence. You know, show me confident footwork so show me sharp footwork your words are embodied it's it's it, 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 it we're socialized into that um, so I, I really believe that coaches if they utilize action-based words show me sharp show me sharp show me sharp show me upbeat show me confident what it, and, and again that can be a negotiation between player and coach that's a great way to have a uh, an embodied warm-up an embodied mental process, if you like. Perfect. I've asked all my questions. I'm, no, I, was, I mean, everything I, that I, was I, ready, I mean yeah. honestly, you you get so much knowledge. It's like my head explodes because I, I, I every time I'm like you're you're talking, I'm like <laughs> I'm just trying to take a mental bank of like all these different things. Um, all right, Dan. Uh, we, we can't cover everything in the in the mental in the mental side of of, of goalkeeping in, in one episode. So guys, check out the last two episodes uh, that we did with Daniel. Uh, Dan Abraham's. Uh, see now, uh, Daniel. I'm, not, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting. Daniel. Yeah, well, he goes I'm by Daniel too. Daniel, yeah. uh, this is one of those. Uh, Thanks, Dad. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's not the response that uh, I was expecting. It's not the uh, the experience I was expecting. But I'm going to go with it, and I'm going to leave it alone, and uh, I'm just going to let things fly, and I'm going to have fun with it. Uh, 
Dan, if uh, anybody out there uh, wants to reach out to you, if they have uh, any, you know, if they want your advice or if they want to know more about your your sports psych show or, or, or your services and everything like that, because I know you're you're a global superstar. You travel everywhere uh, to, <laughs> to to help help uh, people with their 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 mental game. Uh, where's the best place for people to reach out? Uh, just on my website, danabrahams.com, or on my soccer tw- uh, Twitter handle at uh, danabrahams77. Uh, Facebook is at Dan Abraham's uh, soccer and my Instagram is at Dan Abraham sport. Awesome. And uh, guys, we're going to, in the show notes, we're going to put the, uh, the links to the last two episodes we did with Dan Abraham's as well too. So that that way you can kind of have the whole trifecta. It's like a, it's like a trilogy. You can just uh, listen to them all, all, all at once like yeah. that. So, um, all right guys, uh, if you want to reach out to Omar Zini at pro GK Academy on all social media platforms, discuss for underscore on Instagram, <laughs> but no one really needs to, to know about that. Cause literally everybody follows you there already. <laughs> so, but, uh, check out the YouTube videos. That's, that's what it's all about yes. right now. It's, it's about YouTube. Uh, that's the thing. And there's, there's Michael walking by right there. Um, I've been Michael Magid. Contact at insidethe18media.com, at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms except for Twitter, which is at Goalkeeper Pod. Uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18. Uh, I need to buy an energy drink, and we are out. Later. See you guys. I don't think people realize what a big deal Dan is because he's so humble and he just comes on to our show and to other podcasts all the time. He's a really big deal. Um, all right. Speaking of really big deals, uh, let's get into the weekend goalkeeping. Uh, first off, shout out to CONCACAF, U.S. soccer and Canada soccer. What? What, what an amazing weekend uh, we had at the CONCACAF uh, Olympic uh, qualifiers uh, on the women's side. We got to see the semifinals. We got to see the finals. U.S., Mexico, Costa Rica, Canada, yeah. and then, of course, finally we had the um, the U.S. big matchup against Canada for the final. Which kind of fizzled. Yeah, it, it kind of fizzled, but it oh, was... Oh, you're being so nice right now. It was a, it was an, it was a, it was a great first half. A great first half. Shout out to Kadisha Buchanan for, for Canada, who was I'm not taking anything away from Canada. I just expected more from them. I'm sorry. Okay, no, like, that's fair. That in is- CONCACAF, you expect Canada to be the one team... To be challenging the United States. No, you're abs- you're absolutely correct about that. And that that game against Costa Rica was a little difficult. They finally were able to sneak it through and uh, and and make that result. But uh, shout out to both Canada and the United States for making the Olympics. That's still a big and shout out to Christine Sinclair. Yeah. Like let's let's stop for a second. The greatest goal scorer, male or female, in international history. Yeah. Except she couldn't get, get uh, couldn't score on Alyssa Nair <laughs> on that save. That, we're gonna break it, it down. Hey. Chris, it's a team sport, and congratulations. Honestly, congratulations. And one thing, KK, congratulations on the Hall of Fame for Canada. Yeah, because that's a big, 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 big deal. That was a lot of bigs. Yeah, I did that big, 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 big. I don't know how that works exactly. All right, let's break down what we saw this weekend. First off, what impressed you in these matches this weekend, and what were you a little iffy about? The absolute total dominance of the United States. Okay. I mean, let's be honest about it. Like, <laughs> they're, they are so dominant right now, and I come back to the Canada game. Like, I would have loved to see a match. I would have loved to see some of the matches we've seen in the past. And it wasn't. It wasn't. And I think that they are a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And I do think that if they keep going on this path – Yes, I do think they can finally pull the double. 
the World Cup and the Olympics. Wow. Absolutely. I do. The other thing I loved about it was the depth. The de- it didn't matter who was starting, who was playing. That's how our 99 team was. It didn't matter who was starting, who was playing. The depth of the team was the first team, first best team in the world and the second. Which was the craziest thing is that Vladko switched up the lineups consistently and yet still staying results. But think about it. You have the, the number one and number two best teams in the world are the United States and their bench. That's that's crazy. I'm, I'm saying that right now. That's crazy to think about that. What, what impressed me, actually, about this weekend was the spread that CONCACAF put together <laughs> in the press box. That was unreal. Make your own tacos? Are you kidding me? That was amazing. It was so good. Chicken, steak. We, we missed you there. It was me and me. Pat- yes, I'm sorry. I had some other duties. But me, me and Patrick <laughs> definitely went, went to town on that. And Omar, I think, might have had like four servings. Uh, of that. And on the Friday night when they had the rotisserie chicken too, oh my God, it was just amazing. The cookies were pretty uh, high level too. Um, I actually watched the games. Okay. <laughs> I went for the free food. Um, let's, uh, let's break down these games. Okay, so let's break down some of these goalkeeping performances here. Uh, I want to talk about Steph LeBay. Stephanie LeBay, she won the Golden Glove, you know, obviously the Canadian number one. Um, and, uh, you know, As she, she should have. She should have. Look, she only had, she only got scored on, I think, in that U.S. game, three clean sheets at four matches. It's pretty darn good. Um, so shout out to her for that. I thought both goalkeepers were solid versus her and Alyssa Nayer. Are there arguments that Alyssa Nayer could have gotten the Golden Glove? No, and here's the problem. And I'm sorry. Um, you know, you go off, like, the uh, save percentage. Like, um, yeah, you, by the time you got to the Canada game, you made two saves. Awesome. Where did the, you know, you have to look at that. Yeah. You know, it, it not just because you're on the United States and you had shutouts and it doesn't automatically give you the glove. Yeah. It's what you're doing and, and, and it's not your fault. It's not her fault. Yeah. You know, great defense, great team, not doing much. I always used to say to everybody, the worst part about playing for the United States was playing in goal, getting scored on, having no saves and one goal against. Yeah. Like, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so that's not Alyssa's fault, but, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, the Canadian goalkeeper, she earned it. Yeah, no, I, I thought she was great, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of these moments right here because I think we have a little bit of a difference of opinion, <laughs> but I want to break down these moments Shocking, right here. Shocking, I have an opinion. So we're going to go into the, the U.S.-Canada final. Uh, Stephanie LeBay, eighth minute, a ball is driven in to Lindsay Horan, gets the header to it, and then LeBay comes off her line with a two-hand box. All right, so listen, this is a gray area. And we talked about this. It's a gray area. Um, I get it that she feels that if if she catches the ball, she might get hit, the ball might drop out. Now, if you box the ball, it only went to the top of the 18. So you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't in this situation. So it's hard for me to say you should do this. Um, personally, I think catch the ball. But... Now, but like, look, if we watch the follow through right here, she, she hit it into a good space. It was outside of the 18, the way she hit that ball. Boom. It's right at the top of the 18. Okay, fine. I was trying to play devil's advocate right there. No, I, look, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying if a ball is coming into your midsection, so let's look at the height at which she boxed the ball. If I'm really going to break it down, she boxed the ball right into her midsection, right by her chest, right? Yeah. So if you're boxing the ball there, if you open your hands and allow the ball to come into you, you can hold it. So it's one thing if you're going up high above people's heads and boxing a ball. Yeah. Or literally diving forward where your body's not behind it. But this ball is coming directly at you. 
right, directly at you, which means it's coming towards you, yeah. open your hands, catch the ball. If I was going to be really technical about it, I'm yeah. not, right. trying not to be. No, I, I, I got you. And uh, I love the fact that the ads are playing now. This is my favorite part of uh, watching highlights on on YouTube is that they it wants to show you all these ads right here. So, all right, I want to move on. This into is this what happens when he doesn't agree with me. <laughs> what? No, we move. We move on. Well, no. And you play ads. No, I didn't play the ads. The ads, the ads just showed up. They're they're just there. How crazy would that be if it was actually planned that way? <laughs> it's like I disagree that all of a sudden like it's you're like, like well, YouTube just plays ads. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about in the 33rd minute, Steph LeBay. There's a poor ball, but I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I feel she was pressured here, couldn't get a clean on, hit on it. She knew it and immediately backtracked into a proper area to recover from the chip. So I want to look at this real quick here. Okay. Oh, you Should we talk about the distribution and the fact that she took a long enough time to get pressured on it? So you're saying she should have played a one-time ball there? Well. She should have. Okay. So she, yeah. I mean, yeah. So you're saying, so that extra second here allowed for the well, players I mean, to cover onto her. She got to, the ball got turned over. Yeah. Now, she did not see, I think I might have been, who was that, Jessica McDonald? I don't, I, don't I never take that as an excuse. Number one, as a goalkeeper, you're, you see the field. Okay. This is your ball, it's on your feet. Okay. You're telling me she didn't know that she was there? I mean, it, No, she took too long on a touch, and she got caught. And she got caught. She got caught. Okay, here. because now, then they get the shot, but now, but look, at least she recognizes it at that moment, and then she backtracks into position. I'm going to tell you something, had she not shanked that ball over, it would be in the It would have been in the net, okay. And we wouldn't be talking about You're the golden so glove. You're so forgiving. You know what? I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be good cop, bad cop here. No, here's the deal. I think that she knows she made a mistake. Okay. Yes, she tried to backtrack. Okay. But um, don't follow one mistake by another mistake, and don't make the mistake in the first place. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. Because I was like perfect when I was a goalkeeper. Well, of course you Whatever. were. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's just the, that's just the bottom line truth, right? Okay, so let's go back to this here. <laughs> Good thing there was no video back then. <laughs> it was like eight track, okay, or whatever you call it, eight millimeter. Eight millimeter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So let's go into let's go into this right now here. Okay. So now we're gonna go into this play right here. Alyssa. This is Alyssa Nair. Now we're going back into Alyssa Nair here. Okay. This is in the thirty seventh minute. Basically, what happens is there's ball played into space to to Christine Sinclair. Okay, actually, no. Let's talk about this one first. Let's talk about Alyssa Nair and the 37th outswinging ball. It's a good redirection, but I think she was too close to her near post right there. She should have recognized that outswinger from distance and been a little farther and had a player covering that gap. Or do you think it happened too fast? I want to watch this real quick. Well, you know how I feel about her and her near post. I know, I know, I know. So then that's at least a good redirection right there. But let's, let's see where that all started from, okay? So if we go back to that play... All right, so here it is. Okay. You think she's too far near post? Can you back that up for a second? Okay, I'm going to back it up right now. If we slow the... Look at where she actually really is. Look oh, no, no, actually, oh, my gosh, you're right. She actually had her whole gap of her near post open. So So I don't think her positioning's wrong. No, okay. I think because of how far outside the 18 the, player, the Canadian player is and stuff like that and the pressure on the ball, yes, I think finally she's not too – because normally I, I'm sorry, but normally, yes, Alyssa, you are too far near And post. I think that's why I just assumed that she was too far But she's far, not. Near post. I think that um, – My mistake there. It's a tough ball. It's a bending ball away. Yeah. You so know? that's the right decision right there. Yeah, and look where – To play that touch, that little redirect touch right do there. Do I think – 
that's a, that's a tough comment. Do I think you're a little slow getting to the ball? Yes, but do I think you should have done a better parrying job? Like like box that, make sure it's a throw in or something. Yeah, but I'm not gonna really criticize all of that. I thought your positioning was well was good. So all right, well, I'm coming from Saskia Weber. That's like a standing ovation. Yeah, because so. I'm a pain in the ass. So <laughs> you know, guys know that. That's a standing ovation. So let's let's look at this next play right here. What I want to do right now is now we're gonna see. What's going to happen right here is it's going to go back, and we're going to see. Okay, so here's the ball. It's a through ball to Christine Sinclair. She's backing up. Okay, so that's exactly what happened with and, and Patrick made the same comment because we were both in the press box at the same time standing there, and he literally goes to me. He's like, she hesitated off her line. She mm -hmm. was going to come for so the through ball, and up. now so she's, so now she's trying to hold ground to get set for the 1v1 mm -hmm. because she knows now she can't get to that ball. So now she holds ground, right. but now forward momentum, she gets lucky, hits it right there, or is that Whoa. a good save? No, it's a good save. Okay. And here's the deal. Do I think she got lucky now? Also, that's Christine Sinclair, so, right. I mean, my no. gosh. Well, yes. Uh, and she tried to chip her, yeah. which normally 99% of the time that would have gone in. I think that, what did I just say? I think that her first mistake was not coming to the ball, was not her positioning. Don't follow it by a second mistake. So backing up, right? When are you going to stop? Yes, you have to reposition yourself. You have to back up. But most goalkeepers fall into the trap of continuing to back up. Yeah. So making the goal too big, too wide. Sinclair would have seen like a, like a Grand Canyon. Yeah. So Alyssa stopped. Yeah. Changed direction and attacked the ball. I like the snap. Well the snap, done. You like that? Yeah. That was well pretty done. cool. So most goalkeepers don't do that. They'll keep backing up. Let Sink get the, get the ball at her feet. Then come forward while she's shooting it. And run right by her. Ah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Instead, I thought she handled it well. She backed up. She realized it's better to be out of position and set than it is to be moving, right? Yeah. So she reset, set. came forward. And then came forward. That's forward. a good save. It's a good yeah. save. Solid. That was great. That, okay. And then, uh, and again, another standing ovation from Saskia. So two gold stars for Steph LeBay and Alyssa Nayer in this game there, okay? So that's uh, that's that's pretty big time. Maybe I'm just in a good mood today. Yeah, you might just be in a good <laughs> mood right now. Or, you know, sometimes when you're tired, you're a little bit nicer. You know, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> uh, and you're the one that said it. You're I just think it's coming up on a holiday weekend. I have three days off. That's Wait, all. is it a holiday weekend this weekend? It's President's Day weekend. It is? Oh, that's why there's no school on Monday. All right. Okay, let's uh, let's move like on. Like you're a school teacher. Well, I know I'm not a school teacher, but <laughs> my parents are telling me that it's a school holiday because. So you're not getting flooded with privates. Well, that's the thing is people are asking about sessions. If yeah, like we exactly. can do sessions and all, all that stuff. All right. Speaking of uh, of goalkeeper coaching, let's get into this article right here. <laughs> Top drawer soccer had a piece this week on the state of goal, uh, the U.S. goalkeeping license. Uh, they did a whole thing talking to Peter Meller, who used to be the director of goalkeeping for um, USSF um, after he left to go to Real Salt Lake. Um, he expected somebody else to go into the position, and instead what U.S. Soccer decided to do is they had Phil Wedden running the um, national goalkeeping license. They never hired a goalkeeping director. And then after a few years of doing the goalkeeping license, which I was fortunate enough to, to get, which was actually a really great course uh, run by people like Phil Wedden and Tim Mulqueen and Bo Ashoni and other, other great goalkeeper coaches, they just decided, well, that was, my, that was my impression of snapping, apparently, is me doing like that with my, with my mouth. Um, they just decided to just get rid of goalkeeping licensing altogether in the USSF. There's no director of goalkeeping, and now we're in the state well, that we're wonderful. in. That's in the state what we're in right decision. now. 
Yeah. So let's talk about this article and, and the state of U.S. goalkeeping licenses. Uh, Saskia, why does there need to be an integrated goalkeeping education system in this country? Coming from somebody like yourself who came through a system where there was juggernaut after juggernaut after juggernaut of goalkeepers. Well, half the people you just mentioned were my coaches. But yeah. I was just that lucky. Yeah. And I think it's... Um, I think there absolutely needs to be, like, there needs to be a curriculum, there needs to be a precedence, there needs to be something that your mom and pop aren't going out and getting, like, and just coaching goalkeepers. Like, I had to, I had a kid tell me the other day that, oh, my goalkeeper coach, you know, he puts some mats down and makes a power dive. That's yeah. his idea of goalkeeper coaching. Yeah. And there needs to be some direction. Yeah. So sh shout out to Bill Reno, first off, from uh, Everybody's Soccer. Do you Let's disagree soccer. with that? No, I completely agree with you. I mean, completely. I love the way you're staring at me like you were expecting me to disagree. No, I'm not going to disagree <laughs> in any way. I, I completely believe there's an, an integrated system right here. I mean, shout out to United Soccer Coaches for trying to fill that gap with their goalkeeping license. But as Lisa Cole even was saying when she, she did the episode with us, is that it needs updating, you know? That, Absolutely. That the curriculum is over 10 years old and that it needs updating. Well, it does because goalkeeping is changing. Exactly. And so you have to change with the sport and the position, period. It can't be the old school, like, stand there, get, a, get 20 volleys and not move. Everything has movement in it. Everything has footwork in it. You know, everything has distribution in it. It has to change. I think the one thing that was really upsetting is that um, I heard through the grapevine is that last year somebody was saying like well we need to we need goalkeeper education we need somebody to, to become the director of goalkeeping for the US soccer and we need to bring back the licenses and somebody says why do we need that more than a forward license or a forward a forward director it's a good point yeah well so, but uh, I mean I'm, I'm kind of in crosshairs here maybe we need both maybe we need specialists on both sides I don't know yeah, I don't know, though. I don't think I would like to make... I would like to... First of all, it's a money issue. Let's be honest about it. I wouldn't like to charge coaches to have to get their forward license or their midfield license or their defensive license as well as their coaching license. Goalkeeping and field playing is different. Yeah. Goalkeeping is a totally different position. It's a totally different technique, skill, everything in a team sport. It's an individual position in a team sport. Forward, midfield... Defense, yes, they have their specialties, but no. Do I think you need a forwards license? No. Because how many forwards end up as defenders? No, that's that's Just, actually a really good point. Uh, hey, Brandy Chastain, what's up? Like, how many, like, how, how often does that happen? So, no, do I think that, but do I think that, you know, eye-hand coordination and all of that differs from a forward? Absolutely. So I, I do think there's a difference there. Well, and I think, I think, look, one of the issues also is identification, is that if everyone's on an island, and again, nothing against United Soccer Coaches for doing their goalkeeping curriculum, but if it's if Federation has a different point of view and the United Soccer Coaches has a different point of view and AYSO has a different point of view than, club, than U.S. Club Soccer, everyone has a different point of view, it's going to be really hard to identify the right goalkeepers because everyone's looking for something different. And I think we need to have a streamlined curriculum or somebody at least running at the top who recognizes and has regional directors, regional scouts that are looking for the right things. Because that's one of the one issues in regards to identification with goalkeepers is that everyone's got, got their own kind of opinion. And you've got somebody who sends somebody to the U15 national team and they go, why are these person here? They have no business being here. Well, so-and-so like them, they're like, yeah, but did you run it by any goalkeeper? Coaches? Guess what? This is what's killing U.S. soccer. Is this? Is all this crap. But you, but you do agree that there should be a, a, a streamlined goalkeeping curriculum in the country, though, right? Yes, I do. Okay. 
But do I think that it, it, like, we have to argue with so many different AYSO and this and that and the other? No, I, I don't think we should. I think, I think it, but I think, I think the U.S. Federation, because the U.S. Federation ultimately is U.S. soccer, is the number one governing body when it comes to soccer, should have a director of goalkeeping. They should. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And if, if Oversees and then has goalkeeper coaches and scouts underneath them that runs it. And maybe we even need one on the men's side and on the women's side because this country's so darn vast and to have one person trying to do it for both. Or is, maybe regional directors. Or maybe regional directors. Yeah, actually, that might be a better way to go about it. Instead of one person flying around everywhere, maybe regional directors. A Cal South person. And Somebody that Cal. actually knows their region, knows everybody in it. That's actually a really good point because even if you have a goalkeeping, let's say you bring in a goalkeeping director from Manchester. Or no, not even that, but like, that's great, at least in the United States, but like, bring in like, something that's happened in the past, which is like hiring somebody from the KNVB or, you know, from, uh, you know, the English FA and having them come over and become the director of goalkeeping who, but they've never been through the grassroots programs here in the United States. They have no idea. They don't even know what AOSO is. They don't know what the the differences like are, period. And there are differences between California to Dallas to Chicago to Jersey. Like there are differences, period. Yeah. Like in the establishments, in what's going on, in everything. And so you need somebody that understands all that, but you need an all-encompassing thing. Like if somebody can actually like tie, whether it's goalkeeping or everything, together, somehow if AYSO is a filter into this and this is a filter into that and we can all work together I'm sorry this is a like grandiose thought yeah and stop fighting each other then okay. then who knows then maybe we actually the men actually win a world cup wow that's a that's a grandiose thought right there <laughs> I'm just saying like why I we all fight each other no it's I, constant no and and it is and it's a it's <coughs> It's cannibalization, in my opinion. It's just everybody's yeah. eating each other as opposed to get, working together. So. Yeah, everybody thinks they, they've built a better mousetrap, and nobody has. Yeah. And the better mousetrap is actually if everybody works together. So, I mean, it's exhausting, it's tiring, and everybody has their opinions about, you know, pay for play and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, yes, there needs to be a director of goalkeeping. Who's an American? I'm sorry. I love, you know, Franz Hook, and I love you Europeans. But unless you grow up in this system... Unless you understand America, I think there should be a director of goalkeeping. I think your regional goalkeeper coaches that understand California, understand the, the Northwest, the Southwest, the East Coast, the Northeast. Like, period. Yeah. And I think, uh, and, and just, just to bring it back one point, though, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be an American. You could have been born somewhere else, but as long as you've come up in the American system. Because that's the thing is that you yeah, need to be familiar I mean. with the American system. Yeah, you know, you, I don't want you to think anyone to think that no, we're xenophobic Ameri- or anything no, like that. No, no, God, no, that's yeah. not what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm half Dutch. Give me a break. No, I know. Like, I just don't I, want this to end up on BuzzFeed, Saskia. Well, <laughs> so. bring it. No, what I'm saying is, yes, growing up in the American system. If you're yeah. gonna like, if we're gonna like have to like be PC about it, yeah. growing up in the American system. Yes, you okay. have to understand it. Yeah, and that's and and I think that's so, guys. Out everybody out there, just list, just read this article. Read this article. And, uh, and, and just recognize, you know, that it's our, it's our job to, to contact U.S. soccer and say, this is something that we need. Because I think the more and more coaches out there, more educators out there that go, yes, we want somebody to giving us direction and we want somebody to, to be helping us out and guiding us and everything like that, the, the more and more likely U.S. soccer is willing to do something. But if we all just keep doing our own thing exactly. and keep fighting each other, then that's, exactly that's never going to happen. It's exactly my point. It's yeah. what we talked about, like even field space, yeah. like AYSO and uh, club teams and stuff like that. Like it's, come on, you guys. Yeah. Like it's all the greater good. Yeah. 
it's a field, right? It's field space. It's like so hard to do anything, period. So uh, before we wrap up this episode, um, I, we're going to go to so, Europe. <laughs> sorry, you, you can't argue with that. No, I'm like, I know. I'm like looking at the backyard right here. I'm like, I think I could get a goal there. Maybe <laughs> I have a session here. <laughs> yeah, just move those chairs out and of the I way And I wouldn't right have there. to pay anybody and nobody would get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's finish up talking some Champions League because Champions League comes back next week. I'm excited. I love the knockout rounds. It's absolutely fantastic. We get great goalkeeper matchups. Next week we got some awesome matchups. Personally, ones I'm looking forward to: Liverpool versus Atletico. Absolutely. You're talking about two of the best goalkeepers in the world, Allison versus Oblak. Um, Saskia, what what are you expecting from these two? <laughs> you like that sigh? That means like I'm in deep, deep thought. Um, this is going to be a great battle. Period. Uh, I don't think it's going to come down to goalkeeping, though. No, it's probably not going to come back. It's probably going to come. It's probably going to come down to a, a miracle goal here. Or yeah, there. I, there have been times I've said it's the goalkeeper that's going to make the difference in the game. I don't think so here. Yeah. Now, actually, a game where actually it might it might make a difference is the PSG Dortmund game because neither one of those teams plays defense at all. So it's going to be shot after shot after shot. Honestly, I'm really excited about <laughs> that. I love it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> On, no, watching Borussia Dortmund and PSG is going it's going to be like thirty. To 15, like could be like, I mean, that, shot wise, that, yeah, shot wise. I mean, I, well, goal wise, that would be a little crazy. Actually, goal wise, it's gonna be like nine, nine. Uh, it could be a nine, nine draw. Uh, That'd that be would, fun. Honestly, it'd be amazing because, but we got, I mean, first off early. And then they would need the psychologist. Yes. <laughs> it's I'm just excited to see Roman Berkey and Kaylor Navas just get shot after shot on them because it provides some, some great moments. And honestly, it might take one great save uh, to, to keep them because neither one of these teams is the best in the in the back and their offenses are ridiculous if Neymar's actually playing I think this time of year his sister or he or somebody has a birthday which means he ma- miraculously has an injury You're a so, you know. um, no no that, no that, that's what happens is he has an injury during that time period. a sister has a birthday yeah and then he's always hurt he's got like a knee injury or What's something like that you? but he happens to be at a birthday party I don't know no well I think the bottom line is if you have a goalkeeper in this game that has a game like comes up and it's just having a like a blinder. Yeah. Then that's that's where your win's gonna come from. Yeah, and I I honestly think it could either come. Navas is Navas is amazing in the one v ones on the point blanks. Berkey can come up with a big time save, but he also can come up with a big time blunder, uh, which could really 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 hurt them. Um, let's be honest. Neither one of these guys is even close to Allison Oblak. You're talking about two of the best goalkeepers yeah. in the world. So that game, you know, those teams are very structured, very disciplined. So look. They're going to make it be a one or two chances, basically, on goal. Um, I think you're right. I think it's going to come down to whoever can score, actually, in those games, as opposed yeah. to the goalkeeping. Um, here's an interesting matchup, Spurs-Leipzig. Um, I don't think people re- recognize that Petr Galashi, uh, who actually came through the Liverpool system, is one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga. S- Leipzig is really fun to watch. Spurs now with Jose Mourinho means they're going to park the bus, I'm guessing, and mm-hmm. just and just hold. So he might not get a lot of chances. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting Champions League. I uh, don't know about that. You don't think I so? Think okay. Spurs can go to goal when they want. You think so? Okay. I do. Okay. I think that um, Son. I think that I, I think they can go to goal. I think that you know it, it's it's the league. I think that they'll they'll attack. Um, we'll see. I think it's going to be like I think they might score three. You think they might score three? Wow. This is what I'm looking forward to. I can't wait for next week to do the breakdown of the games. And it was like, Saskia was right. Saskia was right on that. Saskia was right on that one. And then I'll be like, okay. I'm always I guess I'll, right. I'll always have to listen. <laughs> I'm always, I'll always right. have to listen. Um, all right. Uh, we've, we've been going if for If they a- score three, it's like, <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> I'm like so excited. 
Uh, we've been going for a while right now, guys. That's uh, <laughs> that's all the time on Inside the 18. Remember, contact at insidethe18media.com. If you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion, make sure to keep rating, reviewing, and subscribing out there and leave your social media handles out there. We want to top 300 by the end of the month, guys. I think it's very yeah. possible, especially since the fact that everybody in England is now listening to the podcast because we had the head of goalkeeping for the FA on the podcast. And now everyone's like, oh, my gosh, there's this podcast in the United States that actually talks goalkeeping. Yeah, and I expect a lot of fans from Spurs right now yeah. to yeah. be like, yeah, toss! Okay. And anybody else that's a hater, you know, it goes just in spam. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right, guys, that's all the time, and we are out. Later. Bye. Bye. Yeah!